I thought we would have, uh, how is everybody? Happy Father's Day. I thought we would have uh, a little bit of fun to start today off with, so you guys okay with that? First, let me clear something up real quick. If you've noticed here in the back corner of the great room, you'll notice a, a, a beautiful Harley Davidson motorcycle. When somebody asked me, did somebody donate that for Par 3 um, Ministries? And, and no, they didn't. Because <laughs> it's signed back there. If you're new here, we, gotta, we do a Par 3 Ministry. But anyways, it's, it's there. Uh, hopefully sometime during the first service, I've got several guys that are coming to bring the classic cars to the parking lot. Some other motorcycles. And just real quick, who here, if you're the oldest father here, the oldest father, I want to know who the oldest father is uh, today in the room. Anybody? Nobody wants to admit who the oldest father is. <laughs> Come on. Probably who? What? Did you just? It could be a toss. We may have to have a math person in here. <laughs> who, who here? Are, We've got to have the oldest father. Come on, somebody. Over, over 70? Over 70? Who's over 70? Right, stand up if you're over 70. Uh, Noah, you're not over 70. What are you doing? You're just standing up. Okay. <laughs> are you, Lou, so, Lou, are you the only one standing? Is that correct? Is that right? I have a man. Come on up here. Come on up here, Lou. Lou, 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 come on up here. I got some, uh, some good old big daddy size dad's root beer for you. Come on up here. You like root beer? Yeah. There you go, my man. All right. Yes, yes, absolutely. Happy Father's Day. The youngest, youngest father, is that about to fall down? Youngest father? Anybody youngest? <laughs> Daniel, how old are you? Anybody younger than 30 here? That's a father? Anybody? Anybody? All right, Daniel. Daniel's also our newest father. Uh, congratulations. You. Congratulations. Yes, yes. Awesome. So, all right. Excellent, excellent. Thank you, guys. Uh, so I thought, if you guys have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to the book of Genesis. That's where we're going to be this morning. And we will spend the majority of our time in Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and 3. Give you a moment. First book of the Bible. Genesis 1, 2, and 3. All right. Before we get started in that, I thought we'd have a little bit more fun, and I've got some pictures that I'd like to show you, because the reality is that mothers and fathers parent differently, right? Would you agree? And so I thought I would show a few pictures here. Gary, if you got those slides, man, go ahead and pick up the, the first picture there. Let's see what it is, okay? So this is, this is when mothers are alone with their babies, the top picture, you see that? And then when fathers are alone with their babies, do you see the guy there with his... All right, go to the next, next slide. This is mom giving baby a bath on the top slide. And then I don't know if you can see the bottom slide there. Uh, dad, dad giving baby a bath. He's got bubbles all over his face and head and having fun with that. Go ahead to the next slide. Mothers walking their, their kids at the top. 
And then the father's at the bottom there. That's totally me. I would, I would totally be grabbing my kid by the legs. That's good. That's good. The next, that's mother and daughter uh, sharing a milkshake, having a meal. And then can you guys see the father? <laughs> Isn't that true? This is true, right? This is, this is, this is. The next slide is his mother teaching uh, daughter how to ride a bike. And then you can see the father is riding the kid's tricycle while the, uh, that's so true, man. That's so true. I got on, we got Jude a bike for Christmas, and, it's, and I got on that thing and rode it, and I thought I was going to bust the tires on it. Anyways, next slide. Is that it? That's the last one. All right, so, oh, man, that's, uh, listen, I don't have to tell you this morning that there are obvious differences between a man and a woman, right? There are biological, psychological, and emotional differences, and, and the beautiful thing is, is these differences, it's, it's all a part of God's beautiful design for his creation. In Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, which means beginnings, we see the creation account, and you see throughout Genesis 1 that God creates. God speaks things into existence. He creates, and all the way down in chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, uh, this is what it says. It says, then God said, let us, and and that reference to us is, is a reference to the the Godheads, the, the Trinity, uh, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. He says, let us um, make man in our image, after our likeness. And then he says, let them have dominion. And that word dominion there is a, a type of authority or leadership over all of the things that God has created. And in verse 27 it says, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. Now, this, this verse here is, is known as the Imago Dei, which means that men and women are unique and distinct from the rest of creation because we and we alone are created in the image of God. No other part of creation can, can say that. We are the only ones. And because we are created in the image of God, this makes uh, every single human being, regardless of age, regardless of race, Regardless of ability, um, it, it makes them valuable and worthy of respect. Amen? All right? We, we are the pinnacle of God's creation. We are the crown jewel of God's creation. We are his masterpiece. And so we are created to reflect the glory of God. And because he created us male and female, we are each designed uniquely and intentionally by the creator to reflect his image. Now, now the Bible is, is clear that as men and women created in his image, that we have different roles and functions. Now, just because we have different roles and functions, it doesn't, doesn't mean that one is more valuable than the other, okay? Because we're all valuable in the eyes of God. We're all uh, created in his image. But, but it's, it's clear from Scripture that we have different roles and functions as men and women. And because this is Father's Day, I want to spend uh, our time focusing on the men, and what our role is. I want to talk about manhood. First, I want to talk about God's design and purpose for manhood. Second, I want to answer the question, what's happened to manhood? And then finally, I want to uh, ask, where do we look for true manhood? With that said, I think this is an important conversation today, whether you are a man or a woman. So I know that half of my audience here this morning is, is women. I, I understand that. I get that. 
But I think this is an important conversation for all of us uh, because where there's an absence of men, society and the home and the church go direction that they were just never created to go. All right, so I think this, this conversation is important. So if you're a woman here, please don't tune us out because I think you can, can gain from this as well. So first, God's design and purpose, okay? God has designed men with unique purposes and responsibilities. Go back down into Genesis chapter 2 and look at chapter 2, verse 15. All right, we, we've already seen in, in chapter 127, he says that he has given us dominion. Okay, that's a type of authority, that's a type of leadership over his creation. And then down in Genesis chapter 2.15, God has created the earth, and off to the east he has created this beautiful garden called Eden. And it says that the Lord God took man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So the task given to man, okay, Eve is not on the scene yet. She's coming in just a few verses later on in chapter 2, is to work and to keep the garden. He is to have dominion, to lead, to keep and work the garden. The sin hasn't entered the world yet, and God has designed man to work, to cultivate, to promote, to encourage, to lead and develop, okay? So where men feel the purpose and design that God has laid out in the Bible, humanity flourishes. Where, where men feel the purpose and design that God has laid out in the Bible, humanity flourishes. And if you don't think that's true, just walk into some of our local elementary schools and hang out with the kids that come from broken homes where dad isn't present. And you'll see it. You'll see it, right? We have school teachers here. You know, you see it. You see it every single day. You see it. When men don't engage, the family unit breaks down. When the family unit breaks down, the culture breaks down. I believe there are three areas where we as men cultivate. We cultivate work, we encourage and lead, and the first and foremost is at the home. Secondly, it's in the church, and finally, I think we, we do that in our, our culture, in our community where we live. All right, so let's, let's look at the home first really quickly, okay? Ephesians chapter 5, I don't have this on the screen, you can write this down, or you can turn to it if you have a smartphone, whatever. But Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, this is what it says. This is the Apostle Paul talking, and he's describing um, this picture of husband and wife, but he's also talking about Christ and the church, and this is what he says. He says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Who who loves his wife loves himself. So the very first thing we see there is this, this sacrificial love towards his wife. I love and lead your wife like Christ loved the church. How is that? He gave himself up for the church. He died for the church. Okay, so, so the man does not abuse his authority he doesn't dominate or demean his wife okay marriage is a partnership i am in a partnership with my wife listen i recognize that that men aren't the only ones who who have leadership ability there are plenty of women who lead and lead well all right and so so i i get that i recognize that you're in it together it's a partnership 
the man is for his wife in a type of way that's, that's willing to sacrifice, willing to lay down his life, willing to get up in the middle of the night and help. Right? You, you put her knees before yours. That's sacrificial love. But not only do we love sacrificially, but we also uh, set the spiritual temperature in our home. Okay, we talked about this a few weeks ago when we went through our Family Matters series, and we talked about how as parents we are to, to be the spiritual leaders of our home. Man, we, we set the spiritual climate in our home. Children tend to follow daddy. Children tend to follow daddy. Where daddy is praying, where daddy is, is, is having conversations around a dinner table, uh, praising the goodness and glory of God. Where we are having conversations in the car with our, with our kids, where we are uh, tucking our kids to bed at night. Right? When we're, we are engaged, we, we set the, the, the spiritual climate uh, in, our, in our homes for our kids. Now, let me just add this as a special note, okay? Because I realize that there are single mothers and widowers. And I realize that there are a lot of moms who have to be mommy and daddy, okay? I came from one of those homes. My mom uh, was mom and dad for 16 of, of my years growing up, all right? And, and I just want to say that I believe that God hears the prayers of mamas, Amen? I believe that God gives extra grace where the ideal, where God's design and purpose is lacking. I know plenty of godly men. I know plenty of godly men who are loving their wives, who are serving their children, serving God, who come from broken homes. Praise God for them. So where the ideal is lacking, God's grace abounds. Amen? We also see man's purpose and responsibilities in the church. Uh, if you go over into the New Testament, you'll see that in 1 Timothy and, and several other books that the Apostle Paul wrote, he lays out uh, kind of qualifications for, for overseers, for leaders within the church. And, and so he, he lays out these things, and as, as Jesus is, is our model, it says that a man must be above reproach. In other words, no one should be able to come in and question your character. Yeah? Self-controlled. That's a, that's a tough one, right? Not violent, but gentle. Managing his family well. Going back to managing your family. He must be well thought of by outsiders. There, there we see it in the culture, in our community, right? In other words, he's honest. He has integrity in his business dealings. He serves others. He, he steps in the gap. He engages. Okay? That, that's what we see here. So this is, this is what God created man to do. This was his original design, his original purpose. To cultivate, to work, to promote, to lead, serve, and love. And praise God, man. Praise God for godly men who recognize this and are pursuing godliness in their lives. Amen? But the reality this morning is, man, as men and women here, okay, we have some hurdles, don't we? We have some obstacles in our way. The the reality this morning is this, guys. We live in a broken world. We are broken people, broken by sin. And we live in a world that is broken. And so, so what's happened to manhood over the years, right? Our culture has tried to define what manhood is over the years. And we've, we've tried to look at people throughout the years and said, okay, this, this is what manhood looks like. And then it changes. It says, this is what manhood looks like. And the reason why it keeps changing and the reason why you know, it keeps going in different directions is because we live in a broken world. You guys ever watch up, uh, grow up watching Home Improvement, uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor? <laughs> right? You know? I love that show. It's a great show. But, but there you see, man. You know, Tim was uh, constantly going over to, to the fence to see Wilson. 
right? I can't remember. Could you not see his mouth? You could see his eyes, but you couldn't see his eyes. Is that what it was? Okay, yeah. I couldn't remember. But he's always giving Tim this advice, right, on how to be a man or how to do things. And then it's, it's ironic that Tim is, is also trying to raise three boys, you know, and trying to teach them how to be a man. Our culture is just constantly trying to tell us what being a man is. And so let's, let's look at what happened to manhood and why we struggle with this. Look at chapter 2, verse 16, and you're going to see here, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Jump down to verse 21. It says, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of the ribs and closed up its place with the flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. Jesus quotes this passage in Matthew, by the way. And they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked. And we're not ashamed. I want you to, to really hear that last sentence there. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. They were not ashamed. So, so imagine, this is, this is perfect harmony. This is perfect paradise. This is perfect everything, right? This is God's design. Not only are the man and the woman walking in freedom, right? They're, they're not walking in sin. There's no sin that's entered the world. But this is perfection. I mean, they, they are naked, and they're not ashamed. There is no fear. This is God's purpose. This is God's design, right? But in chapter 3, things take a wrong turn. We are introduced to a new character in chapter 3, and it takes a surprising twist. Look at, look at verse 1 with me. Uh, it opens up. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say... You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst uh, of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now, did you notice what Eve did there real quick? Right, right. Satan, Satan kind of twisted God's words, kind of twisted the truth a little bit, and then Eve adds a little twist at the end, right, because she's, she's being tempted. And she says, neither shall you touch it. Now, God didn't say not touch it. He just said, don't eat from it, right? But she adds that. And then it says, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate see in this moment this first moment of of human pride this this first moment of human unbelief the belief that that the god who created you in his image the belief that that the god that that god is good and that god is great and that everything that you need can be found in him the first moment of human unbelief Adam and Eve trusted in their own wisdom over and above God's. Instead of trusting God's word, they trusted in the serpent and they rebelled against the creator. 
They basically say, you know what, forget what you have told us. Forget that we are uh, created in your image and that you have designed and given us purpose. They rebelled against that. They sinned. Now, now this is important for us to understand this this morning. If you're, if you're new here and, and this is your first time coming to church in a long time, um, the, these verses, you have the explanation of what has gone wrong with this entire world. Do you realize that? In these short few verses here, in chapter 3, the first few verses, we have the explanation of what has gone wrong with this entire world, manhood included. And if we don't understand this and get this right, listen to me, then we are going to constantly be struggling to try to fix things ourselves. I mean, you see it, don't you? Right? We're, we're constantly trying to fix what's wrong with this world. We're trying to come up with solutions. We're trying to... to create these self-help books. Right? We're trying to create this picture of what manhood is supposed to be like or what womanhood is supposed to be like. And then we try to fix these things. We'll teach people just to try harder, be better people, and we buy into these lies and we try to fix ourselves. But the Scripture teaches us that the problem is sin. We've rebelled against a holy and righteous good God and His design and purpose for our lives. See, when Adam and Eve took that fruit and ate, man went from being good to being bad. The Bible says that we were bad to the core, to the heart, to the heart. That's how Paul describes it in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, he says, sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and then death spread to all men because all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. And then I want you to look in Genesis 3, the very next verse, it says, The eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Right? This is the exact opposite of what we just read at the end of chapter 2, right? It says that they were naked, and they were not ashamed. And now it says, the, the, the eyes were opened, and they knew they were naked. And the story goes on to say that they, they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves because they were ashamed. And God comes down and he's walking through the garden and, and they hide from God because they were afraid. I want you to notice what Adam says to God in verse 12 of chapter 3. This is, this, is, this is classic, man. This is good. The woman whom God says, that Adam says, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Did you notice what he did there? Right? He doesn't own up to his responsibilities, does he? He doesn't say, okay, God, I messed up here, man. This is really bad. I failed. I, f- I failed. No, no, he does what I do. Right? It's her fault. You know? God, you, 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 you gave me this woman, right? He shifts to blame. He immediately, listen to me, immediately they felt shame and fear this is what sin does it brings on guilt it brings on fear it brings on shame relationships are strained right he begins to shift blame and so this passage listen to me this passage explains and accounts for every bit of pain that the world has ever known it does every bit of pain every bit of sadness listen to me just in your own life think about that the things that we struggle with, the things that we toil with, the, the guilt, the shame, the fear, the sadness, the hurt, every bit of it because of this passage, because of sin. And I know this is hard. I know this is hard to digest. I know this is thinking, man, this is, hard. This is deep for Father's Day. Come on here. 
Like, and I know that there are some in this room who grew up and you had just an awesome relationship with your dad. You still have a great relationship with your dad if you still live and praise the Lord. But I know there are many, far too many of us who grew up and we come from a broken home. We, we come from a home where maybe dad was not there. He was absent or he was abusive. And that's tough. Right? Every bit of everything that we go through, right? sin has affected the world. This is the reason for broken relationships. It's the reason we wrestle with identity. It's the reason why we struggle so much, man. It's the reason we, we, we look for things in this world to place our identity in because we, our identity has been marred, right? So we're constantly looking for worth and value and significance from things of this world that's not the way that God designed it. It's not his purpose. It's a mess. And I believe that Genesis 3, listen to me, I believe that Genesis 3 gives us insight about manhood and how sin affects the heart of man. And we could look at several things, but I want to I kind of zone in on, on one thing. Uh, ultimately, it comes down to selfishness, okay? That's what sin is. It's selfishness. And we all struggle with this. But, but one of the ways that we are selfish that we see in this passage is by being passive. Passive or inactive. And what I mean by passive is, is we are abdicating our design and our responsibility that God has uh, designed us to be, just like Adam did, okay? We see it numerous times in this text, right? When Eve is confronted by the serpent and given the fruit from the tree, where is Adam? He's right there with her, isn't he? Because it says she ate, she turned, she turned. It wasn't like she said, let me go get my husband, I'll be right back. <laughs> Adam, you know? Hey, right here he is, okay? He's right there. The one who is supposed to be cultivating to, to work and to, to encourage and to lead, right? He's, he's doing the opposite of what he was designed to do. And then, and then when God shows up, what is Adam doing, right? He's hiding. He's not taking responsibility. He's not owning up to his mistakes. He's, he's not manning up. And, and then the next thing Adam does is he, he blames the woman. But notice he doesn't just blame the woman, does he? I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not. He doesn't just shift blame to the woman, but notice what he says. He says to God, the woman you gave me. In other words, God, it's not just the woman's fault, but it's your fault too. I'm innocent here, right? You see, you see what it, what's going on here. And the reality this morning is, listen, the reality is that as men and women, we struggle with this every single day, right? For, for me personally, I'll just go ahead and tell you, man, I struggle with passivity when it comes to, to, uh, to, to being liked by people. And this is what I mean. So, so there's times when I should speak up and say things, but I keep quiet. You know why? Because I want people to like me. That's passivity. That, that's, that's inactivity on my part. Right? It's, it's easier just to keep quiet, is it not? You get into an argument with your spouse, it's easier just to keep quiet, right? Give in. Be passive. Don't say anything. It's easier to walk away. You know, you're, you're, you're trying to have a conversation with your daughter, and it's just like, it's not going well, or your son, whatever. And so it's just easier to be passive, just walk away, right? Just go out, work in a garage, work in a yard, whatever. It's just easier to keep quiet. And the reason why we're keeping quiet, quiet is because we are we're being passive, but we're actively avoiding something, Right? We're, we're, we don't want conflict. Well, maybe we don't want to be to, to, to show vulnerability. 
right? We want people to like whatever it is, right? But we're being passive. How about laziness? Man, laziness is, is a big one. Laziness in work, service, or ministry. What are we doing? We're being passive. We're avoiding responsibility, right? Well, what about, um, what about gluttony? And what I mean by that is, 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 is kind of like Adam and Eve. You know, we, we, we're seeking uh, to find comfort in things, Right, well, what's your go-to thing, right? When, when, when you're struggling, when you're having a bad, bad day, well, what is it that you go to to find comfort? Is it the Word of God? Is it, is it God? I'm, I'm not saying these things to make you feel guilty. I'm just pointing things. I mean, we all do it, right? We all struggle. Well, what is it that you go to to find comfort in? Uh, one author pointed out as I was reading this past week, he says, Adam and Eve, listen to this, Adam and Eve refused to eat freely from all the trees and be fully satisfied in that. Listen, I don't know how many trees that God created in the garden. Right? But, but God created all these trees for Adam and Eve to freely enjoy, to, 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 to partake in. And one tree, one tree, he says, don't, don't, don't eat this tree. What, what are they doing standing in front of this one tree that they're not supposed to eat in, right? Were they not satisfied in all that God had lavished upon them? See, we, we do the same thing, right? Because of sin, our brokenness, right? Our, we turn to other things for comfort and ease. We're, we're doing the same thing, right? We, we think, we, and this is the thing, man, we find, and this is why we keep going back to it, is because we find temporary relief, don't we? We find temporary relief, right? It, 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 it satisfies for a moment, but it then leaves us feeling empty. See, that, that, that's, that's the lie of the enemy. And see, if we believe in the gospel, if we believe in the gospel and, and the good news that, that God is good and, and that God satisfies, that we, we don't have to look elsewhere for those things, right? How about, how about just leaving people in need, right? Just walking by people, we see uh, a need and we're just going to walk right by. Uh, even, listen, even something that said, this used to be one of my pet peeves when I was in youth ministry, and I used to do these things, man. Uh, I used to just do killed me when I see kids walk by trash, right? And if trash is right there, like you walked right by it, what are you doing? Just pick it up, right? My son is outside playing, and, 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 and he leaves his trash out there, and the next day he's out there, and he doesn't, I'm like, dude, pick up your trash, you know? Just pick it up, right? And listen, I, I, I'm just trying to show that, that the struggle is real, we wrestle with this. We know the good we ought to do, but sometimes we just can't do it, right? Even the Apostle Paul says he struggles with this. Listen to his ro- words in Romans chapter 7. This is, this is often referred to as the doo-doo passage. Um, and this is what he says in Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. Uh, he says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good, so now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Do you guys get all that? Is everybody's like mine just kind of going? Yeah. Basically what he's saying is, listen, I know the good I ought to do, but man, I'm just my flesh and I'm sin. I just, I can't carry it out. I can't do it. You see, the struggle is real. And as hard as this may be, listen, as hard as this may be this morning, and I know this, this is going to be difficult, but I just ask that we take a hard look uh, deep within ourselves, right? Just get, get to the heart 
and ask, now where am I struggling with these issues in my life? Right? Where, where is sin rooting its ugly head in my life? Where am I being passive in my life? Where am I failing to step into the gap and be the person that God has called me to be? Listen, Satan's greatest thing is to get in and, and make you feel like, man, you just, you can't, you know. That, that's, that's his greatest tactic, right? It's just to get in and just, just make divide, divide. And I just, man, just, I just ask you to, to, to ask those tough questions and allow the Holy Spirit to un- uncover what's in your heart, get to the root of why we do the things we do, right? Why, why do I do? Why am I passive in this area? Why, what is it? And this is hard because it requires us to humble ourselves and recognize our problem. And once we do this, here, here's the next big step, okay? Once we do this, then we need to turn to the only one who can save us. I mean, we need to look to the one who, who shows us what true manhood really is. All right, when we, we do this... Uh, uh, turn to the only one who can rescue you from sin that has separated us from, from God. Listen to Paul's words right after he, he had said these things uh, that we had read. He says, um, in Romans 7, 24, he says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Come on, shout it out. Who's going to deliver him? Jesus Christ. Praise be to God, Jesus Christ. Listen, it's, it's about Jesus why our purpose here starts out with to make much of Jesus. It centers on Jesus. We've got to look to Jesus. You see, Scripture tells us that to find our Savior from this sin, we have to look to another garden in the Bible. See, Adam fell short in the Garden of Eden. We have to look to another encounter between a man and Satan. This man is Jesus Christ. At the end of his perfect life, his life of giving, his life of, of just perfect manhood, perfect leadership, perfect love and submission and care. We find Jesus Christ in another garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, don't we? He, he's resisting Satan. He, he's looking ahead to another tree, a tree that he's going to die on. And he's entrusting his, his will to God in a way that Adam didn't and in a way that you and I haven't. He's preparing to make all things right so that humanity and our entire world can be rescued and redeemed. Amen? Man, this is good news. Let me tell you why this is good news. We fall short, and we're going to continue to fall short, but perfection has been given to us through Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus came, and he lived a perfect life. And when we surrender our lives and we come to him and we accept what he's done for us, then his perfect life has given us. We're going to fall short, but we are accepted and we are loved through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, not anything that we've done. We are a new creation, right? Our identity has been restored. We are a new creation in Christ. We have the Holy Spirit of God that empowers us to pursue godliness, to step in the gap. That the Holy Spirit empowers us uh, to be the men that God has called us to be and, and to be the women that God has called us to be, right? And listen, we are not going to be perfect. We're still going to struggle and fall short at times. But listen, this is why the gospel is good news because the gospel allows me to get back up and keep pursuing. I don't have to sit down and, and, and feel shame and guilt like Adam and Eve did that first time. 
right? I don't, I don't have to, to, to wallow. I don't have to shift blame. I don't have to say, well, God, it's this, this, this woman you gave me, or if it's this, this, this circumstance that I grew up in, this is why. We don't have to, we don't have to do that. The gospel allows me to, to get up and say, you know what, God, I have fallen short. It, it allows us to own our mistakes. That's what it does. It allows us to man up, a woman up, whatever it is, and to own our mistakes and say, you know what, I have fallen short, but I have been forgiven, and I'm going to keep pursuing godliness. Amen? Come on, man, that's good news. Isn't it? Ah. I've been set free. All right? This allows me to, to go to my wife. This is, how can I better serve you? How can I better serve our family? How can I better love you? Right? And ladies, I would just encourage you to encourage your men. When you see them pursuing God, when you see them doing these things, man, say, I really appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate you, the fact that you're pursuing godliness. Single man, if you're here, man, uh, young teenagers, this is, this is what you want. You want to look to Christ. He, he's true manhood. Follow him. Single ladies, don't waste your time on boys, <laughs> you know. Don't waste your time on, on, on people who aren't pursuing. You know, this, this is the kind of man you want, a man who's going to follow after Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's pray, and then, then we're going to just, uh, I, we, we do this every single week at, here at Chester. We, we do a time of communion, and that's just another opportunity for us to proclaim the gospel of what God has done for us. And the guys are going to pass out a tray of bread for you, and I encourage you to take that bread, and that bread represents the body of Christ and then you're going to get a cup of juice, and that juice represents the blood that was shed on the cross for our sins. Take time, and I, I want you to really think about these questions. Like, where, where, is, where is the Spirit uncovering things in my heart? What, what am, where am I being passive in my life? And I want you to, to think about that, and then I want you to think about, man, thank you, God, for, for this good news. And then the band's going to begin to sing, and I'm going to be up here. And I'm just going to ask, man, if, if you're here this morning and you need to surrender your life to Jesus. And we would love for you to do that today. If you're here and you need prayer, you're going through a difficult time, then we would love for you to come forward and, and pray. I'll be up here. Please come forward and, and do that. Be encouraged today. Let's pray and then we'll do communion. Father God, thank you so much for this good news. Thank you for the gospel. God, I thank you for uh, the way that you pursued us throughout scripture. God, thank you for sending Jesus to show us what true manhood is. God, may we look to him and not to the things of this world. May we trust in you, God. May we believe that you are good. Father, I pray now that as we come to this time that you would help us to just be honest with ourselves. As hard as it is, to be honest, to look deep within, allow your spirit to move, God. Thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.